0: Welcome to Composer Talk. I'm your host, Matthew Wong. As a film and TV composer, I love talking to others about their backgrounds, composition techniques, music tech, and more. We all watch films, TV, and digital media and know the important role that scoring plays in storytelling. I want to invite you to join me on this adventure to learn more about the artists who are behind the scenes creating the music. If you want to learn more about the people interviewed on this podcast, make sure to follow us on our socials. And if you enjoy Composer Talk, Please take the time to rate and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your preferred listening site is. Our next guest is a music executive with a passion for both creative and administrative endeavors. As a creative director for film and TV at BMI, she has forged and nurtured relationships with up-and-coming composers, songwriters, artists, film TV execs, and more. Her name is Rima Iqbal, and I'm very excited to welcome her onto the podcast today.
1: And hey Matthew, thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for being a guest. So yeah, first question I have for you is, uh, what got you interested in the world of scoring for TV and film? Uh,
1: you know, it's it's an interesting segue and in story in how I ended up at BMI and performance rights and the film and TV music world. Um, I actually went to school in Boston for television production, mm-hmm. and I moved out to LA and worked in sitcoms, working my way as you know, script coordinator, writers' assistant, assistant to producers. Um, Pitching here and there when I could. Um, and I ended up working in television for about seven years. And you know, as anyone in the industry knows the nature of television when you're you're on a bunch of back-to-back shows that keep getting canceled, um, I realized I was maybe falling a little bit out of love with writing. Um, but I'd be on set for you know sixteen hours a day, and I would still have the energy to go catch a show after we rapped. And everyone's like, well, ',Why are you not working in music? You spend all day here, and then you still have energy for that. Um, and I was just in a place like, I'm not a musician. Well, you know what would I do in music? I know what I like. I know what I'm passionate about, but I didn't necessarily see a clear path for myself there. And after the last show that I was on got canceled, I was offered an opportunity to music supervise an independent feature. And so I took that and realized very quickly that I felt I was on the other side of the table than I wanted to be um, as far as negotiating fees for the artists for the use of their music and realized I wanted to be more of an advocate for artists uh, rather than on the, the business side of production. And th- because of that, a friend of a friend had mentioned me to Doreen ring Ross and she brought me in. We had a little conversation and she said, you know, I can teach you everything you need to know about the music side of the business, but you have a background in film and television production, which is so vital in what we do because it's such an artist-based industry, uh, the composing world, but we also have one foot in the film and TV world, so if you can teach us the ins and outs of production, I can teach you the ins and outs of, of music, and that was about nine and a half years ago, so... And um, the more I got to know and work with composers and songwriters, the more I kind of fell in love with this little genre uh, of the production world.
0: Right. And that's a huge benefit, as I assume a lot of people have music experience at BMI and you kind of have well, you come from both worlds. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's nice because now I feel like yeah, I still have a foot in, in uh, the film and television world, but I also have a foot in the music world. So I it's kind of like I don't have to choose between my two passions.
0: So yeah, what are the differences working at BMI with uh, media composers versus like songwriters?
1: Well, it just really depends on the stages of their career and what their needs are. Um, With film composers, especially up-and-coming composers, I think it's a lot about teaching them about the, like I said, the production side of the business, but also being a liaison. And and we're we're in a capacity where we're nurturing composers by connecting them to whether it's agents, managers, and attorneys, or just helping them build a community within the film scoring world um holding events we have workshops and panels throughout the year that we try to invite people to um basically creating a bridge to anything creative that might serve them with the songwriters it's it's a lot more getting them into rooms and setting up co-writes in the pop music world we have you know stages at various festivals but i would say that In my position in film and TV, I work very closely with all of our genres. So I work with people in the pop side, in the R&B, hip-hop side, in the Latin music department. So I think at BMI especially, we work very collaboratively to make sure that we are addressing whatever the needs of each specific writer are. It's a case-by-case basis, you know?
0: Yeah, and it seems like there's a lot of events going on. Your, I mean, I guess right now in in a a,
1: (laughs) pre-pandemic world, yes,
0: (laughs) for sure. But even then, there is like the Sundance thing going on right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, the
1: Sundance Lab that that now they're going to do virtually this year, which is super exciting. Um, That's Mm -hmm. something that BMI has been a sponsor of and supported for years. We're really thrilled that uh, the lab is still able to go forward this year, and it's going to be really interesting to see how how it, it kind of culminates in this virtual setting and and what everyone gets out of the experience. Uh, I think there's pros and cons, obviously, of a virtual and a non-virtual setting, but I think this initiative especially is very conducive to this environment. So uh, I'm excited for all the fellows this year.
0: Yeah, and it seems like a really um, amazing launching pad for so many people and so many friends.
1: Yeah, there's like, a lot of great talent has come out of the Sundance Lab.
0: For sure. So yeah, I just want to talk a bit about I guess the role of like BMI in terms of how composers get paid. So th- generally with like film and TV there's an upfront fee and then there's back end royalties. So I was curious if you could just talk about how those royalties are distributed.
1: Sure. Um so basically BMI is a performing rights organization and what that means is there like you said there are upfront fees from the production company and then there's back end performance royalties which is where BMI comes in. We pay the back end by collecting license fees from various platforms or networks so whether that's You know, big network like NBC, CBS, ABC, or a Mm -hmm. cable network or an online platform like Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, those types of things. BMI collects license fees from all of them and then distributes those dollars to the composers, songwriters, and publishers whose whose music was used on those stations in a given quarter in accordance with our current royalty policies found on BMI.com. And I, I think it's one thing that's important to know, especially for film composers, is that Q sheets are an important element of how you're going to get paid so it's really important to be on top of that making sure those are being submitted appropriately
0: and then i guess with that i mean uh, seeing as most PROs i assume do similar things can you talk about what separates bmi
1: sure i, I mean at the end of the day all all pro's your, your first priority is going to be are they collecting your back-end royalties and that's performances on whether it's television film radio live performances uh, any of that, BMI operates as a not-for-profit business, um, which I believe at this point we are paying out ninety cents on every dollar of licensing that we collect back out to our songwriters, composers, and publishers. Uh, I also think at BMI we try as much as possible to make it a community um, where writers feel welcome and supported, and as much as we possibly can. I mean, we do at this point have one million writers. But as much as we can to be involved, know what's going on with our writers. And, you know, we rely a lot on our composers and songwriters to let us know when they've got new big, exciting projects coming up and if we can support in any way. Like I said before, we hold a lot of initiatives and programs to get people involved in the community, host events. So I think it's just more of the community aspect of um, the culture we're creating at BMI that I think makes us uh, a little bit special.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's uh, really cool to see just like going to the BMI website composers who are being spotlighted too. Yeah, reading like articles and interviews of people.
1: Yeah. I mean, all genres are represented, whether you're a film composer, whether you're a pop songwriter, you know, whether Mm -hmm. you're
0: uh,
1: a rapper, whether you are a Latin artist, whether you're you're doing classical music, all of it is represented on our website and on our um, social platforms. And, you know, especially right now, I think um in a pandemic world where we're trying to find opportunities for everyone, uh, digital is is a space where we've been able to come up with a lot of initiatives to support people in all genres.
0: Right. Actually, just in terms of the pandemic, uh, or just talking about like backclaiming for royalties too, I was curious if we could talk about, well, how far back can you can you backclaim for royalties if a song or cue sheet wasn't registered? Yeah. Uh, and you know, that, that'll happen mm-hmm.
1: from time to time. Um, I find a lot of times maybe with an independent film. With, with, uh, Q sheets get lost in the cracks when distribution comes in and things like that. But yes, BMI is able to go back up to three quarters prior to our next distribution, as long as the songwriter composer was affiliated at the time. Uh, that's about as far back we can go. So we, uh, we pay on a quarterly basis. We pay mm-hmm. four times a year January, March, June, and September. So if you get your Q sheet in within three quarters prior to the next distribution, we should be able to process it and, recoup any any monies at that point
0: right and even if you do miss that you can still register for future yeah of course
1: absolutely you should register anything for future because once we have the cue sheet we're tracking on it for the life of that work um and you never know where a project's going to end up it might have started as a theatrical release but it might get distribution on a digital platform or the movie comes out or the tv show comes out and it does really well and then once it's off the air, something, you know, in pop culture will set it off, and it'll become popular again. And I think it's really important to make sure that you always have your, your ducks in a row in, in that sense with with key sheets so that we're always on top of any new um, performances.
0: Right. Yeah. I feel like a lot of uh, younger composers I've talked to sometimes don't realize how much that those types of payments can really add up over the years, even if it is cents sometimes per quarter.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think... Um, You know, something can start as a small project, but as it gains popularity, it can quickly snowball um, into a a large earning, uh, especially when you take into account international societies and Mm -hmm. different territories where the project may be airing. And um, I think the way this generation is consuming content, it's, it's always available. So someone somewhere is usually always watching something, you know, and it really does allow for you to have a little cushion on the back end, you know. Once you put your your music out there in a project, it, it exists forever in some form.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and then just to go back to to a previous point in terms of uh, O's aiding composers, uh, specifically BMI, obviously. Um, you talked about connecting composers with agents, with I guess representation or or uh, with help. Uh, oh. How should a composer who signed up with BMI go about like searching for these kinds of things?
1: I think it's important to stay in touch with with uh, the representatives at BMI. Um, if you're a film composer, we have an entire film and TV department. Uh, you know, don't be shy, reach out to us. Uh, we're always happy to answer any questions and get to know you. Um, and I think you know a lot of people who come to me with advice about, am I ready for representation at this point? I think that's an individual conversation about where everyone is, each person is in their career and what projects they've got, what their goals and aspirations are. Uh, and I think that's a very collaborative element between BMI, the composer, as well as any outside parties we may introduce. So, like I said, again, it's a case by case basis. But um, if you are a composer or songwriter with BMI and you have exciting things coming up, please let us know so we, you know, we can be there to support you.
0: That's amazing to hear.
1: Um, you know, one thing I think that could be interesting if we want to talk about is what's going on with theatrical in a, in a pandemic world. Yeah. I think we're in a really interesting place right now because the world has had to learn to adapt hmm. and that includes, you know, the film industry. And with theaters being shut down right now, um, I think we're going to get to see a new model of how films are being released. I mean, an example recent in recent memory is the, I believe it's Trolls 2 uh, that just came out. It was supposed to go theatrically and it ended up being an on-demand purchase instead and in the united states there are no pro's that collect theatrically on box office Uh so that's an arena where composers traditionally wouldn't have seen money on an initial film release theatrically but now that it's gone straight to on demand there is now an opportunity for that to see money from the u.s right away
0: right i think that's an interesting point that um that yeah, I guess uh, theater performances or theater plays are counted as performances in different countries, just not here.
1: Yeah, there's there's a handful of countries that you know do pay on box office, um, and you know every country does has their own system and methodology, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, so we rely on our sister societies to keep us uh, up to date on their policies, and you know we we have reciprocal agreements and we pay out what they give us, and we send them whatever U.S. earnings we have for their writers and uh it just works both ways
0: right yeah it's an interesting point though i mean i was very lucky that uh my first feature film that was scored recently uh is going to video on demand and also to uh drive through theaters at the same time which That's is interesting so
1: interesting yeah i have not yet been to a drive through theater in um i don't think ever in my life but definitely <laughs> not in the pandemic world and i think it's going to be super exciting um to see how that continues because as of right now, uh, I mean, unless you know something, I don't. I don't think anyone has answers as to what's what's coming down the pipeline in the next few months.
0: Right. Yeah. Not
1: anything concrete, anyway. I mean, we all can hazard a guess and m- make good intentions, but
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting. Some artists are taking advantage of doing shows while everyone's in their car or whatever, and just like how how the entertainment industry as a whole is changing.
1: Yeah, it, it is, and I mean especially from, you know, the BMI perspective, as we've been working from home and we've been collaborating with our media relations department and within our creative team to figure out how do we support songwriters and composers in a time where there isn't anything they can do out in the public. Um, So we've been coming up with a lot of initiatives to support and highlight our writers um, on digital platforms, whether it's creating, you know, social media takeovers or, um, we started a jam session, uh, initiative where on YouTube, they can just kind of jam and it's available for everyone to kind of watch and connect. So there's a lot of that, of, of brainstorming new initiatives in a digital space. Um, like I said, for this pandemic culture, uh, and the way we're able to have music.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, Rima, I just want to thank you so much for being on.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is such a delight.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Composer Talk. If you like what we're doing, feel free to follow us on Instagram or Facebook. The show is mixed and sounds great thanks to the incredible Eric Bard, who's also a talented composer, producer, and mixer. Until next time, this has been Matthew Wong.